0: welcome here this morning, Tim Kelly-Sherry. Good morning. morning. How's everybody today? Unfortunately, I saw the clouds come out. I was kind of hoping for a sunny day, but, you know, it's going to be good no matter what. The Lord is here. It's so great to be with you at Glad Tidings, and I don't just say this, um, actually, ask Kelly, I don't say it that often. You have such a sweet presence in this place. Um, the Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit is here. I love Pastor Justin. He's crazy. Um, <laughs> if you don't know him that well, um, just imagine watching him run around the campus of Valley Forge like a wild man. Um, but the good thing about that is, is he loves the Lord fiercely, and he will lead you to knowing him in a deeper relationship. So we're so happy to see you both here, um, leading these wonderful people and. Apparently, Amelia wants to say something. Nope. Okay. So yeah, this is, uh, this is our family. We're the Pollux. We live um, in Indonesia, which is the world's fourth largest nation. And uh, we just want to show you some pictures and quickly talk about it. And before long, she won't last too much longer without wanting to watch TV or something. So <laughs> we want to just show you a couple of pictures. So you can go ahead to the next slide. This is us, uh, just very recently. Um, Our first daughter, Amelia, who's with me, was born in Indonesia. Um, She's now just over two years old. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Amen. Can you say amen? No. Okay, we'll work on it. And our second daughter, Lizzie, was born here. She's about four months old now. So, yeah, we're very blessed. Next picture. Why don't you explain this one?
1: So this is a picture of our sanctuary where we were pastors in Indonesia. We had just completed a um, new building project, and we were the campus pastors of this campus. And on a side note, it was the church that my parents started because I am a missionary kid from Indonesia, so we went back for our first term as missionary associates um, from 2017 to 2019 and were pastors at their campus at their campus
0: yeah this is uh, that last picture was the result of us completely tearing out our old building (laughs) and then moving it across the street to that location Um, so I feel you (laughs) I know how I know what you're about to go through and uh, God does amazing things when his people come together all right Which leads me to this next picture. This is a picture we always love to share because these are our friends. Um, We moved there in 2017, newlyweds. Um, We had only been married for about nine months. Kelly was pregnant, and uh, we showed up, and these people came up to us on the second Sunday. Uh, We were pastors, but they said, hey, um, we have a small group for little babies. And we said, well, we don't have a baby yet. And they said, yeah, but you're going to. You should join. And so at first I kind of thought, like, that's weird. Like, we don't have a kid. They all have kids. Long story short is we met with them for two years, sometimes twice a week. Um, There were nine kids between all of us under the age of two. Um, So we never talked about the Bible. Um, We just kind of got together and hung out. But I say that because we noticed, even as pastors, We needed that. And that is the one thing that I'm sure your pastors will tell you as well. You need to have a relationship with others around you who will lead you into a deeper relationship with God. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have that, just look to your left, look to your right, and just say, we're going to get lunch today, and I guarantee you it'll be great. So please be encouraged by that. Next picture. All right. So this is actually most of what our ministry revolved around. We did uh, pastor a church that was in the city, um, but we would invite our people to go out into the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, and we would say we have a desire to help you plant a church. And so about ten years ago, uh, Kelly's family, her her um, parents, initiated this goal to plant one hundred churches. In 10 years. Oh, thanks, babe. And just as of last year, they finished 77 churches. All right, so we'll go to somewhere like that and we'll find a local pastor, and you can go to the next picture, um, and we'll help them build a church. The cool thing is we can do it in about six hours, which is awesome. Um, And if you have zero experience like me, um, you can also get up on the roof and do things uh, that are terrifying and totally not safe and would never happen in America. So it's even more fun. We don't use rope. We don't use (laughs) it. It's it's awesome. Um, So we love church planting. That is what we are all about. We want to see a church planted in every region where there never has been before. And that's why we're going back to Indonesia.
1: The extra special thing about this oh sorry this specific church is that if you see the, the woman wearing the all-white outfit and she's holding the number 64, she is the woman lead pastor of this village church in Indonesia. And Indonesia, being the world's largest Muslim nation, Usually, they're very oppressive towards women, and they don't really give them all the freedom that maybe a woman deserves. And we just love supporting women like this, and I j- as a woman, I think it's a great a thing. Great yeah.
0: Alright, last picture, but not least. This is where we're headed. So, we previously lived on the island of Java. Uh, if you go to Starbucks and you look at all their coffee, there's Sumatra, Java, Sulawesi, they're all from Indonesia. So we lived in the island of Java, and currently the government is moving the capital city out of Java. So it's in Jakarta. Uh, there's about 37.5 million people there, and the ground is sinking into the ocean, um, literally. It's quite weird. And so they're trying to relocate the, the capital to that little red dot to a city named Balikpapan on the island of Borneo. And so currently there are no well-established life-giving churches there uh, willing to multiply. So we have actually been in contact with the Indonesian Assemblies of God and we said we would love to go uh, and work with you to plant that church. And so our plan is to return. Lord willing, as soon as possible, uh, to go to the island of Borneo to continue planting churches. So we're so thankful, as I mentioned before, to just be here today. Thank you for praying with us, and we are excited about joining you together in this mission. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Justin, for having us. and uh, We want to share with you a quick video. Uh, We're going to take our girls to the back so they don't destroy the whole church, and (laughs) and then we're going to look to the Word of God. So let's watch that video.
2: for those that will listen. Drifting, distant, disparate, it whispers in the ears of those that believe. It shouts in the streets, straining to be heard through the overwhelming noise. Can you hear us? The collected cry of fallen humanity, devoid of a savior. Centuries have passed without hope. We live here, hidden in the far away places Our lands, strange Our culture, a mystery Our hearts, empty Our people cling to anything that resembles truth But what we seek, remains out of reach Our spirits on the edge of breaking Our prayers, unanswered Our gods, stay silent, we are the never reached, we are still waiting, we hear a sound, it echoes in our ears, it wakes us in our sleep, a voice in the wilderness, a message 2,000 years old, a final command, go, a simple but profound directive, from a saving God. With our victory assured, we journey to the ends of the earth. We climb mountains, trek through jungles, landed on forgotten islands, searching. Many have received, but far too many still remain. Too many haven't heard. Too many don't know. This unfinished task is our urgent kingdom mission. Chosen heard called can you hear them nations cities tribes people they are the never reached they've waited long enough there is a sound can you hear it
0: all right So we love to share that video with you because all of that footage is actually footage that my friends took. Um, It's real stuff. We didn't, you know, just go on Google and, you know, steal it from the Internet. Those are real places, uh, real countries all over Southeast Asia. And Kelly and I, like I mentioned, we live in Indonesia. And there's about 240 million people there. And about a good 95% of them are not Christian so it's the largest muslim nation in the world and i didn't really believe in that term never reached before i mean uh, some of you may have heard that coca-cola has successfully reached almost every nation in the world if you go anywhere and you ask somebody what's coca-cola they'll know and i used to say well people must have surely heard the name at least the name of jesus before and um, we would we would talk to those people and consider them unreached. If you're not yet a Christian, you're, you may have heard about Jesus, but you're, you're still not really a follower, and you would be unreached. But I never really believed in the term never reached until I lived in a city of 10 million people. And I lived in the city of Surabaya with my wife Kelly. And I had somebody come up to me and say, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I I don't even know who Jesus is. And I thought to myself, here I am in a developing city with 10 million people, and how could it be that I'm the only person that's ever said the name of Jesus to them? And there are these people in this entire region who've never heard the gospel, and I grew up in a smaller town in Pennsylvania. So I admit, I'm not from New Jersey as much as I'd love to be. Um, I'm not from Jersey. My wife's family's from Wayne. So, you know, I got something, I guess. So, <laughs> But I grew up in southwestern Pennsylvania. I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. I'm still a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, although it doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I didn't really understand missions. I didn't really think that I would ever be involved in missions. I never thought that, you know, little guy from a little town that I I had missionaries come into my church. I would listen to their sermons. I would watch the videos. And at one point when I got a little older, I even started giving my money to them. And I said, yeah, I like missions. Yeah, but that's just not me. I just... I could never do that. Just how could I possibly be involved? My dad's an engineer. You know, my mom stays at home. My brother does whatever he does. I just, it's not me. And I looked at my life and I said, Lord, I think missions is just always going to be at a distance from me. There's going to be a gap between me and this concept of going. And this morning, if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you have with you, we're going to look at the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And and I don't want to take too much of your time this morning, so we're going to read through a portion of Matthew, starting in verse 14 through 18. And this is interesting because this is the final parable that Jesus shares with his disciples before he's led to be crucified. And so, in my mind, this is like your last pep talk. This is the last thing I want you to remember before he goes up into heaven, before he appears to them again, before he goes up to heaven. This is the last thing he says before he's crucified. Let's look at it together in verse 14. Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, I want to pray quickly before we continue with the word of God. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are always faithful. Thank you, Lord, that your word never fails. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, help us to understand. May it transform our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've read this before many times, and I'm sure a lot of you have read this before as well, and I would always read through it, and I just knew that... The servants were given something, and you know, when I think five talents, I think, okay, maybe it's like $100. So there's $500, there's $200, there's $100. Now, to me, $25 is a lot of money. That's great. And so I looked at it and thought, okay, decent amount of something. And then you look at that word talent, and it actually means a year's worth, no, I'm sorry, 20 years' worth of wages. One talent was equivalent to 20 years' worth of wages. So I don't know how much you make. It doesn't really matter. You multiply that number by 20, that's a lot of money. So one man received 20, one man received 40, and another man received 100 years' worth of salary. So this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The master comes to the servant and says, here is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Invest it. And he goes away. He entrusts what he has to his servants. Now, I don't think it's coincidence that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians also uses the same exact word to describe spiritual gifts. You know, we always love to say, what's my spiritual gift? What was I made for? God, what will you give me to be invested in your kingdom? I want to know. And that's good. And when we look at it, God makes one thing very clear. Whatever it is, whatever you've been given, whether it's a little bit or a lot, whether it's this talent or this ability or this thing that you can invest in his kingdom, one thing is the same across the board. It's not yours. And you can't earn it. And you can't develop it yourself. And you can't do enough good stuff to get something from God. He comes to us and says, I'm giving you what is mine. I'm entrusting it. I am trusting you to invest it in my kingdom. Will you do that or not? And so we stand here and we're listening to this story of the the parable of the servants. And we see that these gifts are from God. They're not from us. But they're enabled by his Holy Spirit. Yeah, now, when Kelly and I went to Indonesia, I, I kind of started on a church staff. Uh, it was a larger church. There were about 1,200 people. Um, there were two different locations. And I was the coffee guy, you know. I'm like the guy that's like, hey, uh, we have a staff meeting. Go buy some coffee. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Wait, where? <laughs> and so, and then they'd say like, yeah, you know, my car at one time, my one of the other staff member's car had a problem and they're like, can you go uh, fix my car? And I'm like, well, I can't fix it, but I'll drive somewhere. And if you know anything about foreign traffic, um, take everything inside of New York and just multiply it by like 5,000. And so you would drive nine miles, uh, which is what we would often have to drive um, you know, to and from our house, and it would take about an hour and 45 minutes one way. Um, And it's on the opposite side of the road, and it's stick shift, and it's just like, you know, a nightmare for me. And so that was my role. I was just like the guinea pig. And then one day, about a year into us uh, serving there, and, and I learned a lot, and I started developing, you know, coffee skills and stuff like that, my pastor called me into his office. And I, you know, I thought, this is it. Like, get the suitcases ready. We're going back to America. I've I've failed as a missionary. Something bad happened, so I walked into his office, and he said, uh, hey, close the door behind you, and I'm like, oh man, this is it, and I sat down, and he looks at me and says, so we've had a very, very unfortunate and sudden change in our staff, and uh, our campus pastor is going to be moving somewhere else, but we need somebody to preach every Sunday, uh, do all the funerals, do all the weddings, counsel people, and uh, it's there's about 500 people at that campus. Would you do it? And I really felt like, I didn't say this, but I felt like looking at him saying, like, you've got to be kidding. This is your only hope. <laughs> like, I felt like Luke Skywalker. It's like, this is it. You know, it's like, and I looked at him, and I just, you know, all that I could get out of my mouth was, well, I'll pray about it. And he looked back and said, I'm giving you a week. (laughs) And the Lord led Kelly and I from basically doing what I thought was nothing. And he he put this huge thing in front of me and said, here, this is what I have for you to do. Now, that's really when I started thinking about this parable. Lord, I've I've done nothing. Like, yeah, Kelly and I used to part-time children's pastor, but I got... I got paid like a stipend to have fun like I used to blow things up in the microwave and the kids would think it's awesome You know that was my ministry experience. I I had no experience being a father I had no experience being a husband really and I was expected now to be with 500 people in their moments of grieving and their moments of celebration Directing them through life and pointing them toward God and I had no idea what I was doing And I remember the Lord said well you need to remember what my word says. Because the biggest problem that I've found, and this is the first thing I want us to remember today, is that we often equate our abilities with God's ability. And what I mean is this. uh, I only have so much, God. I only have this ability or this much money, or I've only been over here, so you can't do this in my life because I've not yet been there. And we'll start putting limits on what God will do based on what we've done. And we'll look at our situation and we'll say, well, there's just no way I'm going to do that, so I'll just wait around for someone else to do it. And we begin to limit God's ability because we don't know how, or we don't know if it's going to work, or what if it doesn't happen like I think it's supposed to, or what will other people think of me if it doesn't happen? And we start limiting God's work in our life. Now look at what happened to the man who received one talent. I'm going to skip forward to verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground here. Have what is yours. I want you to know this morning that this servant allowed fear to control his life. And I don't know about you, this has been one of the most fearful years in my young life. I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know why things happen the way they happen. I don't understand all of the things that are going on around me. And in the midst of that, raising little kids and trying to figure out the world. And each of us has a different story of how we're dealing with what's going on right now. And we look at what God's given us and we said, Lord, you must be upset. Or you must not be here. Or where are you, God? And this servant allowed his fear for what was ever going on around him. He allowed those circumstances to, to control him and his fear to control him to where his image of God was so distorted that it wasn't even accurate anymore. God is not a harsh God. God is not an angry God. God is not gathering where he did not sow. He is not reaping what he has not given you to invest in his kingdom. He doesn't look at you and expect anything but obedience. And we often allow this fear to control our lives where we say, yeah, I... I just can't because that's not gonna work I can't invest in that because I don't have enough for this I I can't go spend time here because I've got to be over here I can't do what you want me to do because I don't even know how to do it and we go over and over and over and over again and before long we start looking at God and we start start forgetting how faithful he is we start forgetting how good he is we start forgetting How much peace we have When we rest in his presence I love the hymn uh, You know it was pounded into my head Year after year of being in Valley Forge And turn your eyes Upon Jesus Just turn your eyes upon him And everything else Will fade away And this one man Didn't do that but in verse 16 The Bible says that Now he who had received the five talents went at once. He who had the five talents went at once and he traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. There's only one difference. Both of these men, in contrast to the man who had one, went immediately. They didn't think to consider like, well, I'm going to look at all my options first or I'm going to do this first and then, then maybe I'll go back to what God told me or maybe I need to go over here and figure this out. No, they looked at what God gave them and they said, it doesn't even matter what I have, God. It doesn't matter what you've given me. All that matters is where you're leading me. You want me to go over there? All right, I'll go over here. You want me to go over that way? I'm going over that way. It doesn't even matter what happens between here and there because I know you're with me. And we're walking around this year, we're walking around this life, and we're saying, what am I going to do when we should be saying, God, where do you want me to go? It's a lot different than that because he's the one doing the work anyway. He's the one who has the power anyway. He's the one that gave you the gift that's not even yours. And all he wants us to do is say, yes, Lord. Okay, yes, Lord. All I want to do in this life is turn my eyes upon you. Yeah, but I don't know. So, oh, man, here comes a big challenge. I don't even know how I'm going to get over it. Yeah, but God does. Yeah, but I, I can't even see God when I'm getting over that challenge. That's okay. He's always there. I don't even feel God. That doesn't matter. It's not always based on your feelings. And you walk and you keep going forward and you see what God does because sometimes investing in his kingdom doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Can we give him a hand for just being... <laughs> he is always ready. All right, hallelujah. He was ready to answer the obedience. He was just on it. <laughs> you know, when I first met Kelly, I, I really wanted to get to know her, of course. So I, I met Kelly. I don't advise this. Um, for those of you who are not yet dating or married, for that matter, matter. Um, I went to Valley Forge. And on day two, I saw Kelly and I wanted to date her. So <laughs> I saw her on day two, and um, she tells me that this was the worst pickup line in the history of, of men. But I, I swear to you, it wasn't a pickup line. So I walked up to her, uh, you know, because I saw her from a distance, and I said, Wow, you look familiar. <laughs> and uh, I promise, that wasn't a pickup line. I, I often think people look familiar. I, I'm never right. but uh, So I walked up to her and said that, and within a split second, and this is probably her inner New Jersey coming out that I had not yet discovered, uh, she, within a split second she said, probably not. I'm from Indonesia, and turned around and walked away. And I went, wow, that's a first. And so I pursued her for you know a few weeks, and I, of course my dashing good looks won her over. And so then I took her out on a first date. And we went to this sushi restaurant, you know, because sushi's fancy. And uh, turns out we both got food poisoning, but we didn't find out until later. So, food poisoning was not good. Uh, then we went to—that's okay. That's why I'm telling a story. And then, um, then we went to a grocery store, because what else do you do on your first date but go to a grocery store? And so we're walking around these aisles, and uh, we're walking in the door, and I said, "Hey, whatever you need." I'll get for you. You know, I just totally open that up. And while I'm saying it, I'm praying in the back of my mind, Lord, let this be $5 because (laughs) that's all I got. (laughs) And so (laughs) we walk into this grocery store, you know, we're just hanging out, trying to be cool. And I'm like, yeah, oh, look at that, you know. And so Kelly goes, oh, there is one thing I actually need. And so we go to this, you know, one aisle and she reaches for some toilet bowl cleaner. And I'm like, this is my chance. <laughs> Not only is it $1.99, <laughs> but I can prove to her that I can provide for her because that's the kind of guy I am. And so I grab the toilet bowl cleaner out of her hand, and I go, you're going to have the cleanest toilets, and I'm going to buy it for you. And I throw it in the cart, and we get up to the cashier, and I'm like, I'm buying this for my girlfriend. And I, you know, put it on the thing, and the lady's like, yeah, whatever. And so I bought this for Kelly. And I just went for it. You know, I I looked like a complete fool. Kelly thought I was weird. Uh, She still thinks this is a terrible story and never wants me to share it. But the point of the matter is, I didn't even care what it was. I didn't even care what she needed. I didn't even care what she wanted. I just jumped for it. I, you know what? You're important to me. And what you want is important to me. And what you need is important for me. And if I'm here, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to grab that. I'm just going to invest in you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care that the cashier made fun of me. I don't care about any of that. All I care about is investing in you. Yes. Amen. And we have to stop looking at our abilities. And we have to start saying, Lord, all I care about is investing in you. I don't know how. I don't know with what. I don't even understand it. We just sang about it. But he made a way, and he's going to do it again. And he'll continue doing it because he never fails. I want you to know this morning, without sounding like a Hallmark card, God really has given you a specific gift for a purpose. And if you don't believe that, I challenge you. Pray about that. Lord, I don't understand. And as you pray about it, just say yes. Well, Lord, I don't even even know what my ability is. It doesn't matter. God has given you a specific gift for a specific purpose, and he wants to use you to find people who have never yet experience the gospel. Yeah, well, there's not people like that here. I guarantee you there's people you could think of right now that need to know Jesus. And maybe you've been trying, and maybe you've brought it up before, or maybe they're kind of on the fence. You could be the only person between them and eternity. And God wants you to know this morning why we come here and why we share isn't just to talk about Indonesia. There is a mission that God has sent each and every one of us on, not just me, not just your pastors. Each and every one of us have been given something by God to be invested in his kingdom for his glory. And I want you to know, he'll use you as long as you go quickly. As long as you just say yes. As long as you just obey, as long as you just say, it doesn't matter, God. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep obeying. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Frozen. (laughs) My life is frozen. Actually, we've recently moved on to Moana, so it's kind of nice. It's like in the summer months, we were cold, and now in the upcoming winter months, we're warm again. So it kind of works out. but I've watched Frozen a bajillion times, and then we moved on to Frozen 2. Uh, and we watched Frozen 2 a bajillion times, and, you know, regardless of the spiritual matter of the, of the movie and all the weird things that we have to, you know, tell her aren't true, um, there is one great part. It, who, has anybody seen the movie? All right, that's good. Usually it's like one person, and I'm like, I feel you. <laughs> and so um, so it, there's this one part where the main character kind of is in trouble. And The sister is stuck in a cave. She doesn't have any magical powers. She's just an ordinary girl And she's all alone and there's a song, right? This is cold. This is dark. This is wet, you know It's like and she's the life I knew I could sing the whole thing for you. So like she's sitting in this cave and you anymore Everything I once knew before anything that ever was able to help me is gone. I'm alone. I'm stuck. And she kind of gets some kind of, you know, courage and stands up and she says these words, but I'll do what I only know how to do and that's the next right thing. And I'll I'll step up again. Going and and I'll I'll make it I'll make it, you know, through by just doing the next thing and she keeps stepping. And I want you to know that our life isn't a isn't a series of stepping forward based on our own power. It's by saying, all right, Lord, I'll do the next right thing as you lead me. So where do you want me to go? All right, I'll go there. Okay, Lord, I'll go there. I don't know where I'm going. Where am I going? I don't know. And I'll go here, and I'll do this. And all I'm looking at is you. I'm not looking at the things around me. I'm just looking at you. Okay, where do you want me to go? I can't do that step. It doesn't matter because you're already there. And I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going. And let me tell you, in my life, it often doesn't feel that good. It isn't a glorious experience. It isn't this powerful example of of God. He can do that, and he has done that. But usually for me, it's a constant series of grinding life. And I'm walking through it, and I'm like, man, am I ever going to get anywhere? Is this even worth it at times? Is God still here? And then you turn around. And you see all these footsteps, and you look at all these moments of life, and you look back and you see, wow, God was with me during that. And God was, God was with me during that. And actually, God did something that I didn't even realize when that was happening, but now I can see it. He's been with me this entire time, and he's worked through me this entire time. I never thought I could be used for God. you walk through this life and you say okay Lord, now that I've seen what you can do I will look forward and I'll say, oh yeah I can take another step because I know what's on the other side is going to be greater and I'll take another step and guess what, this didn't work last time Satan so I know this next step, you can't stop me and you start walking in confidence and you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and all you have to do say yes. I want to encourage you today, and I'm just going to skip some of those other verses and go directly to that last point. You and I have been given power to make disciples. You've not only been given a gift, because sometimes you've been given a gift and you can just let it sit there. And you could be like that one man that, you know, oh, yeah, you know what? I don't want it, so I'll just give it back. You could do that. But God actually said, you've been given power. My power, my Holy Spirit is available to you, and all you have to do is say, yes, God, I want that. I want that power. I want you to use me. I don't even know what you have in store for me. I don't even know what what, what you've given me to do, but all I know is I want you and I want to go quickly, and I want to go immediately, and I want to be used by you, because the Bible says you will receive power. Not you might, not you could, not maybe if you do this long enough, you will receive power. And God will continue to do things in your life that you're not even aware of, because I want you to know there are people who need to know Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's what missions is all about. It's not about me and my wife and my kids doing something in a foreign land. It's about God's people, the church, saying, We believe in an all-powerful, saving God who is here to use his people for the advancement of his kingdom, to bind things on earth as they are in heaven and to release things on earth as they are in heaven and to say God's will will be accomplished and I am going to do that. And that's what we want. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to do as we partner together with you and pray and we say it's not just a one or two or three man show. This is the body of Christ. I want to just conclude by sharing one last story with you that makes all of this worthwhile for me and my wife. You know, when I told my parents I'm going to Bible college, the first question they asked me was, how are you going to make money? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. <laughs> and then, you know, I went to Bible college and everything worked out and the Lord always provides. And then after that, I said, well, I think I want to move to the other side of the world. And if you, you know, if you draw a line, we actually fly, usually we fly out of Newark 18 and a half hours directly to Singapore, and then we fly another three or four hours to Indonesia. So it's literally on the other side of the world. Um, And, you know, the first question my dad asked me was, are there hospitals? (laughs) And I was like, sometimes. (laughs) And so I remember feeling like, okay, I don't even understand why I'm here. I don't even understand what I'm doing. And it was about 10 days after our first daughter was born. It was Mother's Day, actually, 2018. And we had just, you know, kind of started serving. We weren't really in in ministry that long in missions. And uh, Kelly's mom actually came to Indonesia as a guest speaker for Mother's Day. It was very cool. So, my new, newly born daughter, my mother-in-law, uh, were all kind of in our house getting ready for the day. And, and uh, I started getting a bunch of text messages on my phone. And I remember thinking, okay, it's Sunday. Usually I don't get that many texts because it's church. And so I kind of put my phone off to the side, you know, started combing my hair and whatever. And then my phone, ding, 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 ding. So I kind of grabbed my phone and looked at it and unlocked it. And I just read the first line. It said, are you okay? like, looking around my house, thinking, like, you know, weird things happen. Like, <laughs> infrastructure is not so great. So I'm like, okay, maybe something did happen. I'm fine. Just responded, hey, I'm good, thanks. So I put my phone back down. Ding, 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 ding. Picked it up again. And now I started reading through all the text. You know, there's, like, over 100. So I'm like, wow, I better read these. It's from our, we had, like, a staff chat. And so we're just reading through it. And I read the first one. And it said, we're going to have to cancel services today because a suicide bomber went off and killed 15 people in a church not far from here. So now I'm thinking, my mother-in-law has actually left already to go preach, so she's on the way to church. Now I'm in, like, full dad mode. You know, it's like, protect my family, get my mother-in-law back, do all these things, and then I get another text. Hey, another suicide bomber attacked another church and killed 15 more people. And now, in my mind, like, I'm, I'm reading the address of these churches, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know where that is. I've, I've passed that to get to our church, and I know where that one is, and I've been there, too. And then another text, hey, another bomb went off, and a total of 40 people died that day. So we canceled the services. We brought everybody home. You know, we kind of just locked down a little bit, and, you know, the city was kind of on lockdown. And while I'm in that mode trying to figure out life and safety and all that stuff, Kelly gets one text. She gets a text from a girl that we hired uh, just to come and clean the church. She was a Muslim girl. Uh, We'd never met her before. And so she's, you know, uh, texts Kelly and says, hey, Kelly, are you okay? If you need anything, let me know. And we thought, like, oh, wow, that was really nice. Like, why would somebody make that text? And then the end of her text message said, I just wanted to text you because you're the only Christian I've ever met. And I remember looking at Kelly when she shared that message with me. And we said, Lord, may it never take a crisis again for us to realize that there are never-reached people all around us who've never, ever heard your name before. And if that's the only girl that we've ever with the gospel, it was all worth it. I will invest my life. That's what I have. I'll do whatever God's given me to find that one person and tell them about Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning. God has the same in store for you. you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much For this church. I thank you for this people. I thank you, Lord, for their leaders. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this place. And I thank you, Lord, for where you're leading them. It's an exciting time to see you rebuilding your people, rebuilding your church, moving forward, God, with your vision. And I pray that this would be a beacon of light in a a surrounding area of darkness that says, God is alive, his people are alive, and Lord, that the lost would be found. I pray this morning that you would put something deep inside each and every one of our hearts that says, yes, God. It doesn't matter what I have. It only matters where I'm going. It doesn't matter what you've given me, but Lord, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you. And I trust you to take care of every part of my life as I invest in your kingdom so that everyone would hear and that everyone would know that Jesus is Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give such a thank you to Pastor Tim and Kelly who are with the kids. That was a great word that I know we all received so much from that we don't
1: want to allow to go without showing thanks